0: Hello and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. Good morning. This morning, what a bit of journey of my. Um, time in December and my own study and my own reflection and just reviewing um, a couple of books and, uh, and the importance of, in my study and my discovery, the importance of understanding words and definitions of different words. And when I read and I like to go and study the specific word or what it, what it means and uh, what it does for me, it just brings out a truth upon a truth. It's a different layer of an original truth that I get to understand. And that's what revelation is. And <clears throat> it's that's when you read the Bible and it's, you've, you look at something, you've read it, and then all of a sudden something jumps up at you, you gain more understanding. And um, it really helps in the process of, of understanding. So that's my way of study. So I've done that. And <clears throat> because the Lord spoke to me and he's like, Rich, the body of Christ needs to access what I've already supplied, and I said, okay, well, let's talk about this, and then through some of my own study, this is what I'm going to share on today, which is called Access is Granted. Access is Granted, and and we're going to read from, from Romans 5, but right now, currently, what is happening in the world, and what's happening in your life, and circumstances, all those things, the gospel remains the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom remains the gospel of the kingdom because God established it in Jesus. And there's this balance of supply and our faith. And often we've heard what faith is, and it's actually made us work harder for what God has already supplied instead of understanding some of what it really means. And so I went back to that. And I said, okay, well, well what, what is my faith? What is what is my response in seeing what God has done in Jesus clearly? And um, it's brought a real fresh awakening inside of me and given me a real excitement, a real hope for our nation, but it's taken me into an, uh, an access that I've, I've walked into of understanding and knowing who He is, what He's done, my purpose And all of those things because of one or two definitions and relearning that. So I want to share with us today that you've got access. And I also want to say that part one is really an evangelistic tool for all of us of what I'm going to share and and share again of something that we all know, but often we have walked the journey for so long we think everybody knows it just because we've been in church, but actually in the, the, the generation and the generations that don't know Jesus have to understand some of the fundamental rocks and bedrocks and foundations that we stand on because it keeps us and it keeps our focus on Him and on what He's doing instead of trying to find alternatives because what we're doing isn't working. So people are replacing Jesus, they're going back to the Torah, they're replacing Jesus, they're introducing karma to their world or pantheism. There's so many things that people are going to outside of what God already established in Jesus, and it's because of our lack of breakthrough, what we think breakthrough is in our lives, that we go and look for an alternate, but the gospel remains the gospel And our job is to make it that clear that in people's hearts, faith or a positive response to what you see or hear, you're working towards that, you're moving towards that. And we'll see some of that in in the Gospels. But let let me open up from Romans 5, verses 1. Because in the Gospel, there are so many benefits that we see, but often we don't connect to in, in our lives. And it says this, Romans 5, 1 to 5, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice, our response In our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now we can see a couple of benefits there. I'm not going to labor in all of them. But number one, you've got peace with God. You see, God is no longer at enmity with man. You might still not have peace with God and that comes because of a lack of understanding that God is at peace with you. God is at peace with mankind because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So it says that. The benefit, we've got peace with God. Number two, we've got access to the grace of God or the privilege to access the supply of God or the realm of the kingdom of God. Access to God's supply. Number two, another word there you see is glory. And we've got access into the glory of God, which means, I get to experience heaven's culture now, number one, because we are walking in ever degrees of glory to glory. It should be increasing, faith to faith, glory to glory. So we've got this thing called glory and a guarantee of our future. Glory is a guarantee of your future, of eternity with him. Hope. Hope is a confident. Expectation of good, a joyful, confident expectation of the goodness of God. Purpose, even though there is suffering in this world, is purpose. It's called hope. And that leads us to love, it makes you forever secure. So, access. And some of you who stay in estates and all of those things, you've got to access cards. So your card gives you access somewhere else. If I want to go and visit George, I have to get a code from George. Then I have to go and show my ID, and it just becomes a little rigmarole. But that's my access. He's got immediate access. There's some other places your access is your finger. Other access is your face, your face recognition. There's certain security companies or certain companies that have got certain security access to certain places that other people in different realms or in in that corporation don't have access to. I hope everyone doesn't have access to your pin code. I want access to some of your pin codes. But that's what scammers have done. Illegitimate way of taking what's not yours. So that's why we need to be very security conscious. But people have now found access to what is yours. So don't give your pin code away. There's some theories out there in what the future could look like that you're going to get something put in your body that you'll have access then to go buy food and all of those kind of things. Theories. I don't want to get too naughty, but those things are, are out there in discovery. You see, your and my access comes by faith. What is faith, friends? I think it's, it's, it's got to that place where we, faith is a new law. We're working it. We're trying to work our, f- our faith. We're trying to white-knuckle it. We, 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 we're trying to pursue it so hard that we're sweating to get a favorable response from God. Faith is this, a positive response to what God has already done. And this is where I want us to journey and to help us in, this, in the reality of seeing the balance of supply and faith, the balance of grace and faith. of of what's fully available to God and our favorable response of what we see here in Him, that the gospel is good news, that it turns us towards the supply, not trying to go and find another supply. Because that's what it says. You've been given access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Certain things God has done What you find out about him either positions you to walk towards that supply, finding that supply, or you staying still, trying to exercise faith, and then your faith, you add a bit of church going, you add a bit of giving, you tip God, you go, okay, I've done this, therefore I've done this, and we call that faith, thinking that is going to be a favorable response from God to all of a sudden miraculously make that supply for the first time appear, No, he, in advance of everything, he made the supply available. The access is your response. How are you responding? Is there a favorable response? Another definition is a firm conviction, a firm persuasion. Another definition is belief in its absolute. You see, so faith is not something frivolous. It's something quite radical because it's your response to what you're hearing and then you're moving towards it. Your faith is a positive response to the truth in Jesus and that gives you admission of full access to God's supply, the realm of His ability, or the kingdom of God. You've been given the keys of the kingdom to open doors that are available for those who believe who are persuaded in what God has done in Jesus. But I want us to be reminded of what justification is, just in case somebody here doesn't know. But then you can take this information and you can share it with somebody. Justified. This is what it means. To be declared righteous and then to be treated as you've been declared. It's so good, because that's how the Father deals with us. Often we believe, okay, Father, I thank you that I'm righteous, therefore I'm accepted, Therefore, I'm but I don't really believe you treating me the way you've declared me. He treats you the way he declares you, and we'll see it now. Faith, pistis from 4102, if you're going to do a, a, a study. Firm persuasion, trust in the absolute, unwavering reliance, to believe, positive response, conviction of the truth that's in Jesus. And God says this, he says, the only way you and I are going to be harmonious with one another is if I myself declare you in right standing with me. There's no other way. He has to declare it. And when God calls you righteous in his sight, he treats you as he has declared you. And this can only be received, it cannot be earned. It has to be 100% Jesus. Romans 3, 22. Let's go back a bit. It says, the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus is for all who believe. There is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation or an atoning sacrifice by His blood to be received by faith. There is no distinction, friends, on the planet. It might be a bit touchy, this, but just go with me because this is my heart. Do not ask me to, call, to make sides when it comes to Israel and Palestine. Here's my reality. There is no distinction. There's no favor over one nation, over another, because Jesus has divided that. He came, he's abolished, he's broken the walls down. I've got personal friends who are missionaries in Palestine. What must I tell them if you're making me choose? Does I tell them that Jesus shouldn't be there? Should I tell them, my missionary friends in Israel, that they should no longer be there because there's atrocities on both sides? You know, the Bible says this, we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Who lives in Jerusalem, friends? I'm not going to harbor on this. But it's a personal thing because we, there's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone needs Jesus. We need people who are willing to go on both sides and present Christ. I want to paint a courtroom scene that happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. This courtroom scene was 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, and it happened for every single person that was going to exist, which is including you. This court scene was this. All have sinned throughout all eternity and have fallen short of the glory of God. Same chapter, it says there's no one righteous, not one. Jesus goes up and this court scene happens. You are present in the future there because there's one sacrifice for sin and it happened then for all eternity. Not gonna sacrifice again for your family member who you really think needs Jesus to come sacrifice himself. No, it's the gospel of good news that you need to share with him. But you've got two witnesses against you. Eternity, all of us, every single one of us had two witnesses against us. Number one was a fellow called Moses. He knew God, but he had the Ten Commandments, and he comes and he goes, "Richard, in 2000, and whenever I got saved 1997. 1997, Richard over there is going to break all your law." Yes, I am. Your honor? He's guilty before you. The next witness comes in and his name is the accuser of the brethren. His name's Satan. He knows from the beginning of time because of the deception of sin and the sin nature that got released into mankind that your response to a sin nature is sin. So therefore, there's enmity between me and you and I and God. The enemy comes and says, I just want to show you in the future, Richard's dirt. I want to show you Richard's secrets that he's got in his heart, all of those things. This courtroom scene, that's every single person alive that's going to be born. Every person is there. Then Jesus, he's our advocate. He's been sitting there with a smile on his face. He gets up and he says, your honor. And your honor is his dad, by the way. So our advocate who stands before the judge, who is his father, He says, Richard, in 1997, when he comes before me, I'm already making provision that his sin and his guilt are taken care of. And here, Your Honor, is exhibit A. It's called my blood. There is no forgiveness of sin unless there's the shedding of blood throughout the whole of Scripture. The final sacrifice happens. The final bit of shedding of blood happens in that moment. In that moment, it comes into our present because Jesus supplied salvation for humanity. I have my moment when I come face to face with the gospel. Then when I come face to face with the gospel, Father says this to me. Richard, do you believe are you firmly persuaded that Jesus has paid for your sin and guilt by sacrificing himself and dying on the cross? Do you believe and have a firm conviction that I've raised him from the dead and that, you, that he is seated at the right hand and is Lord of all? And my response is either I rejected or yes, Lord. Because even though 2,000 years ago, in that court scene, he made salvation available for mankind, you and I still enter into or access the grace provided by faith. It's our response. He's not going to force you. If people have walked away from Jesus in the Gospels, and there's other people that have run to him because of what they've seen, you have had that moment in your life, if you've given your life to Jesus, If you've come to that point and you've said, yes, your honor, as the court scene is there and there's witnesses against you and then the redeemer stands up and he says, guilt-free, your sin and your guilt is taken care of. And then the judge, the honor with a big smile on his face and Jesus, are you connecting with my movie scene here? He takes off the judge robe and he steps down as a father. And this gets me every single time. He says, Now, the sinner becomes a saint. I adopt you and you come live in my house. That's how good this gospel is. That's justification. I not only declare you righteous, I treat you righteous. I treat you as you live in my home. I treat you as a son. I treat you and you have full access to every benefit and everything that I've supplied. Do you believe In Colossians, it says, now, as you come to Christ, continue to walk in Him. Everything, my friends, is by grace through faith. Your salvation is by grace through faith. Your healing is by grace through faith. Your provision is by grace through faith. Your breakthrough is by grace through faith. And just in case you don't believe me, Jesus told this story. In Luke 18, He said, He also told this parable to some who trusted in them and in themselves, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. We need to get all the religion out of us, friends. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, this God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. We all need the same mercy and the same grace. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but for Christ. And he carries on. He says, I fast twice a week, and I give all the tithes that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, declared righteous, and will be treated as declared rather than the other. For everyone exalts himself, will be humbled, but the one humbles himself will be exalted. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Our Christianity and our ongoing walk is humility. And humility in this definition is this, agreeing with God at all cost. Agreeing with God what he has presented and supplied in Jesus. And he says it needs to be 100% Christ. And then from that, he creates in you good works before the foundations of the world for you and I to enter into. Romans nine thirty, What do we say then that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness or to be justified have attained it? That is righteousness, that is by faith. But Israel pursued it or performed to fulfill a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching the law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as if it were works, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and the rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, Israel, is that they may be saved. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Not according to Messiah. Not according to new covenant knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Everyone who believes, everyone who's persuaded in Jesus, trust in the absolute. We're all there. But what about access? What have you been given access to? Access means admission. Admission into God's supply in which we stand. It's the realm of God's supply. It's the realm of His presence and His enabling power. We have to access the realm of God's kingdom to stand in what's going to come against the body of Christ. you've got access to his presence, do you believe it, you've got access to his intimacy, Do you believe it, you've got access to his promises, you've got access to his authority, you've got access to the mind of Christ, you've got access to what Jesus is building, you've got access, you've got access, you can add your own list of what you've got access to, But you see, friends, before Christ was revealed, before grace was revealed, there were limitations. And still within the body of Christ and religion, people are putting limitations of how or or when you can access. You look at Israel, now Gentile pantheism or karma, it's still this. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. It's still a law in place. And if you want to submit to it, you'll eat the fruit of it. The Jewish temple system is the same thing. If I do that, I'm going to get that. Or if I do that, I'm going to do bad, I'm going to get bad. Because that's the system of the law, and that's how it works. The Jewish temple system, there were the outer courts. The unbelievers or non-Jews had to be in the outer courts. About three meters ahead, there was a thing called the women's court. Sorry, ladies. You're just ahead of the Gentiles. I'm trying to emphasize that. Because there was always hierarchy. There was always separation. There was always sexism. There was always these things in place to keep people from entering into the presence of God. And then they get the, the inner court where all the boys were. All the guys. How's that? How's it? How are you doing? Okay, how's it? And they all talk about the bookies in the outer court. And then you get the inner court where the, the priests are. And then you get the, the holy place. And you get the holy of holies, which was for one person once a year. For the sake of the nation. And then when Jesus, wrote, and when Jesus died, that curtain got torn from top to bottom, not bottom to top. Now that curtain was probably as thick as this over here. I do want to let you know this. God wasn't contained in there hoping to get out. God left the building a long time ago. He made a promise to Abraham, and that promise to Abraham was in a tent. He was in a tent. God actually didn't want any of the temple system. You look at Solomon, he built another 700 temples just for his wives who didn't believe. Temple system just didn't work. He was out of there anyway, but it got torn for Israel to see and to know that the presence of God was not there for a nation, it was for the nations. Because he wanted to fulfill the promise to Abraham. Abraham, he said, there's going to be a blessing to the nations. That curtain was torn. The presence of God was released to mankind from that moment on. But we access by faith, and I think if we get the right understanding again of what faith is, faith is not the new law that gets you to access what God, if He feels His favor towards you, is going to release to you. No, faith is your response to Him in what you know and what you understand and what you see in the gospel. That's what faith is, and we'll see it so many times in the gospels. Faith is positively responding to the truth of what God has done in Jesus, our absolute trust in grace. It's not something we do to gain a positive response from God. We treat faith as a law. If I have enough faith, then God will. God already in anticipation to any problem facing mankind, sin, sickness, disease, poverty, depression, discouragement, put whatever you want in there, before the need ever existed, God created the supply. And this is where we have to find the beautiful balance of what it means to walk by the Spirit of God. By grace is provided salvation for everyone, whether they take it or not. It's your choice to either reject it or to enter into the supply. Healing, joy, peace, deliverance is included in the already supply, and you can't earn grace. It has to be stepped into or accessed faith is not something you do to get God to do something it's something you move to in response to what God has done in grace and you see a performance based mentality won't allow you to see faith as your positive response to what Jesus has done but will keep you believing you must earn what God has in supply already He's not a genie going, oh, I, that, oh, I never knew that need was going to be there. Oh, a, a miracle. Create. No, the supply in him is fullness. But we've been taught. Me too. It's like, oh, I need to conjure up in our faith. Before he then releases that little door and a little no, I respond in what I hear to the finished work of Jesus and I move towards that. Here's the moving. I have to make the decision to move and community help me get into the supply sometimes. But the more you walk with him, the more you believe, the more you see, the more you understand the gospel, the more you've got to positive response. The more I'm absolute in my beliefs, the more I'm like no to everything else and yes to Christ. And I move towards that. Faith doesn't move God, it moves you. It moves you to where God has already supplied the need by grace. It's this balance where we go, oh wait, the supply is there. And God's not snoop, He's not withholding from us. There's no limitations on His side. He's removed the limitations. But we have to go do I believe that? Yes or no? Because faith and doubt are like two trains on the same. Platform they bump one another, and you then start blaming God because I don't have breakthrough, because my doubt is in the way of my favorable response to saying yes to God's grace. There's one thing you must fight is fight your doubt. The one thing you must doubt is doubt your doubt. Shaba. Let's let's look at the woman who oh. Caught with the issue of blood. Sorry. Just. Luke 8. And there's so many. When you go and read the Gospels again, go and see it. All the time where Jesus goes, oh, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. Jesus is going, oh, your favorable response to me has made you well. But in the context of supply, let's look at the scripture. It says, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. No, she had spent all her living on physicians. She could not be healed by anyone. Some of you have been in, looking for breakthrough for years and years and years and years. But she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased, and Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power or supply has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him declared in the presence of all, and declared in the presence of all people, why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed, and he said to her daughter, "Your faith, your persistence, your your favourable response to me, has made you well. Go in peace." Friends, do you think it was easy for this lady? I'm not saying faith is easy. Because we've got so many things confronting us in this world. We've got so many. We've got people confronting us. We've got systems confronting us. We've got a whole bunch of things confronting us. This wasn't easy for her. She wasn't allowed around people. She had spent everything. But she must have heard something about Jesus. She must have heard good news That someone is going, this is who God is. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So she's seeing God in existence through the man Christ. And I don't know if she wanted to make him Lord. I don't know, but she knew this man, Jesus, if I risk it, if I have a favorable response towards trusting him, I know something's going to happen. So she's bleeding. She's leaving a mark wherever she goes. But something in her says, I've got to get to him. That's her faith. That's her response. She's going, I have to believe absolutely that this is who he is. I have to believe that his mercy is so true. I have to believe that the supply of the man with the shriveled hand or the cripple, I have to believe the stories that I'm hearing about him. And it moves her to move through a crowd. She couldn't find him in private. She had, she heard that Jesus was there. But she's got this grace. The very thing that Christ carries because he came by grace and truth. I need that. So she moves and she goes and she touches him. And supply comes out of him. And he stops. Why? Because someone touched him believing. Someone touched him with a favorable response. And friends, maybe her favorable response was the size of a mustard seed. So Jesus said, if you've got faith or trust in me the size of a mustard seed, man, we can move mountains together. The supply was Christ. The supply for us is the spirit of grace. The supply is there, friends. It's always been. God's like, I've got this thing covered a long time ago. I want to teach you how to access. I want to teach you how to access, you see. And friends, if you don't have a favorable response, look at the faithfulness of God. Because he's favorable to himself. Good news of Christ positively moves us into God's supply or His grace. And I don't know what supply you need, but I know the supply is available. And I know there's no hoops to get there. And I know there's no limitations. And I know God is looking favorably over every single person on the planet. But those who are willing to choose... To believe, receive. Can we shifting from that of you can find your supply by going? Jesus, us. I believe. He he is so overjoyed when we believe. He's so overjoyed when we choose to trust. He's so overjoyed that he would see this lady and Peter. He's like, hey, Jesus, if that's you, call me out. And Jesus come. He's like, "Oh, oh, I must come out. No, you must come to me. We want Jesus to come to us to sort it out. Or we go on the other side, we try and sort it out and say, hey, God, I think, I've done, I think I've done good enough. Pick me, pick me. No, it means a response. Oh, God, I see you for who you are. I'm going to move towards you. That's faith. That's in our, and he loves that. He loves it. And you, he loves it if you can even trust him with sections. Doesn't have to be full blown all the time. That's why we've got community. That's why we walk together. So we build each other up in our most holy faith. And Peter gets out of the boat because he sees Jesus. And like us every day, we've got things that are going to buffet us. want to take our attention. They're going to move. They're going to press into us. They want to take us. They want to take us, and the enemy wants to take you into the place of doubt, because if you get into doubt for long enough, you're going to blame God for the things that are going on in your life. You right now have the gift of a positive, favorable response to Jesus, because He gives us the gift of faith. He gives us a measure of faith that we can walk to Him and enjoy the supply. Resurrection life. You see, friends, when you realize that the supply is Him and you realize the Spirit of grace is in you, you must realize that you become a supply. That's why we get to lay hands on the sick. That's why we get to minister because you're so convinced of the supply, you're always going to the supply and then you're coming out and you're giving everybody around you who doesn't have supply. When Jesus raised the dead, did they have faith? Did they have a positive? No, they were dead. So Jesus, the supplier, went in and gave them the supply. Do you know what I'm saying? You and I get to do that. We become the supply. And it's the same faith. Oh, Father, I thank you that you're using me as a conduit of your supply. And then we don't put things on people to say, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you done that? And when you've done all those things, then I'll pray for you. Because actually me doing that means I don't believe in the supply of God to meet your need immediately. You and I have got the supply of God that can meet people's needs immediately. That's where the supernatural resurrection life, the spirit of grace walks And works with us so when we sing the song Jesus when you walk into the room everything changes you have to go in a positive reality when I walk into my office everything changes because I carry the spirit of supply I carry grace I carry the words of knowledge I carry words of wisdom I carry the prophetic I carry encouragement I carry health I carry healing and that's why he so desperately wants you to get into the realm of supply to find what you need, because when you found what you need, it's easy to give it away. So, friends, in this moment, as we stand before him, what area of your life do you need to change your performance mindset, begging mindset, or possibly manipulating God to a positive response? to the truth that's in Jesus. Here's the balance. The supply is always available. There's the goodness of God. The supply is all available. You and I go, I need to learn about God. I need to le- learn about what Jesus has done. I-, I-, I need to learn about the new covenant. I-. See, that's where you study and you getting into teaching and Go and find really good things that can help you and can build you up because that gives you a response to go, okay, God, I'm moving towards your supply. I'll do whatever it takes to touch the supply. Let it be released. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness.